The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun and see you later. Welcome to episode 166 of the Rush Squad Gaming Podcast. I'm your host and GM Alex and with me today I have... Ben Meredith. Bryn Monroe. Lydia Nicholas. And... Helen Gould. I know you're playing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Smith. Uh, Hamid Salah Haroon Al-Tahan. Uh, do you need me to spell that? H-A-M... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cell side bottom. That is cell slowed down, actually. Just, just <laughs> relative how they usually speak. And Azu, because I can't make her name take any longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes my momentum. Don't know about you guys. I'm done for the day. Yeah. <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> Time to sleep. You're so. the one that gave yourself 18 or so characters to manage inside your own head. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to simplify things very quickly. No! So, where it stands, we are all in an airship. Mm-hmm. We are all in the clouds above a giant not-elephant graveyard mm-hmm. as the Aurora Borealis draws inevitably nearer. And everyone is currently on deck, ready for things to go wrong. <laughs> and that's where we'll pick up, if that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You continue rising through the clouds and eventually break through the cloud cover onto atop the clouds. You can see in the comparatively far distance what looks like a couple of more of these things peek out above cloud cover at a couple of points further in the distance. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying the bare skeletons go above cloud cover? Looks to be at this stage. So they are not 30 stories high. They are more like 300. Or there's factors that you don't know about. Uh, They're floating. Ah, Flying undead colossal bears. Oh no. <laughs> With guns for teeth. <laughs> I love it. Getting very Grant Howitt there. Mm. And bigger <laughs> bears for blood. Well, no, at which point we haven't found Jesus weirdly attractive yet, so it's not a true Grant Howitt game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the love boat, so. Yeah. 
is not. This is the vengeance. And I love the fact that I made it, I called it the vengeance for this narrative. <laughs> yes, we are getting our revenge on you for the lack of downtime and romantic <laughs> opportunities during this campaign. Yeah. Congrats, Alex. You played yourself. Yeah, we're pursuing romance with a vengeance. <laughs> so, as you continue to sail along the clouds, obviously it's brutally cold. However, you're all well-equipped to the point where I am not going to require any kind of fortitude saves because if it reaches the point, you should probably go below deck for a bit. Hamid made literally everyone on board some cold-weather gear. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. You're all, you're all equipped up to your eyeballs and then the rest of your head as well. So If, if anyone looks like they're struggling, I may well cast Endure Elements as well. I could also do that because I've got Endure Elements communal. Ooh! Very nice. <sighs> so, as you continue along... You know that tension that comes from I'm ready for something to happen? Mm -hmm. It starts to wear a bit thin as what continues to happen is corpses continue to be corpses. Mm. Sure. And then suddenly, Mm. they're still corpses. (laughs) Eventually, the the finely honed edge of combat readiness starts to wear quite thin and people start to sort of mill around till Wild eventually, little louder than he probably should with air heart and deck goes... Well, this was fun. And then heads back to his uh, office, in inverted commas. All the rest of the crew are kind of still at ready positions, but starting to look more and more at Zolf, like, do we do anything? Or Continue to stay sharp. We don't know what could happen. Sure, it didn't happen immediately, but that doesn't mean we should let it get the better of us. You've all done guard duty right. You're guarding the ship from whatever might happen. They all, get, they all continue to stand in readiness. Does anyone have anything they want to do apart from stand in readiness? Nope. Are the kobolds still hanging off the ship? Nah, they're doing their jobs, but they're doing their jobs in a sort of casual way. Like, they're, 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 okay. they're doing exactly what they need to, but they're not keen so much as, like, mm, looking over the side a bit, having a bit of a wander, getting back to the point. I would say that at the rate you are going... You think that, I mean, all of you more or less have this gauge that you're not really going to be making it to the the Borealis or anything like that for, like, a few hours. It was on the horizon when all this started, and you are moving towards it, but it's not imminent, let's put it that way. Unless anyone has anything they actively want to pursue, I'm probably going to accelerate time. I was was just going to go and find Kiko. (laughs) But also, what were you going to do, Lydia? Oh, no, I was just going to say that once it gets to an hour or so... Cell would say to Zolf, like, I, I understand the need to guard the ship, but also, like, s- like sentient creatures have a l- limit of ex- exhaustion and concentration, and, and maybe people should rest while we do shift guards and, and be prepared to jump into action if necessary. Uh, uh, otherwise, they're just going to, you know, break. If you need to take a break, take a break. You're not sleeping. If you get tired, let me know and I can sort it out. Good. Azu takes a break. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, Azu goes over to Kiko and says... Do you want to take a break to, together? <laughs> Kiko uh, looks around. Yeah, all right. Let's take a break. Ha- Hamid smiles widely and then makes eye contact with Cell. <laughs> Cell's eyebrows are so high. <laughs> Their grin is so wide. Ha- ha- Hamid is like slow, cautious thumbs up towards Cell. Cell, triple thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Kiko sees all of this and he's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Hamid pretends he was doing something else very quickly. Azu did not see any of this because she is too nervous. Why don't we take a break 
not here. Yes, um, it would be silly to take to try and take a break where you know everything would be <laughs> happening. So maybe we could. Um, you said something about below decks before, um, and I don't know if you meant just like in, in the kitchen or or maybe in your cabin or or in my cabin or like in the <gasps> communal area. Or... Kiko takes Azu's hand and leads her below decks. <laughs> And we're going to follow this a little bit longer. (laughs) Kiko leads Azu to the cargo bay and then leads her to not the cubbyhole that Zolf has seen made, but a different cubbyhole. The cubbyhole has the following. Some candles that definitely shouldn't be there. They're a fire risk. (laughs) It has a a couple of bedrolls and some pillows and stuff. It's not... It's not set up as a bed. It's set up a bit more like a couch, if I'm honest. Or the back of a van. (laughs) It has a few, um, like, bottles of basically booze. Not great stuff, but it's fine. It's not grog. And it appears that a few books and so on. She immediately starts to sort of tidy a bit, going, yeah, I kind of wasn't expecting this. (laughs) And there's, like, there is a used pair of socks that are quickly shoved underneath (laughs) a... uh, Underneath the bedroll, things like that. This is not a prepared snuggle corner so much as a hidey hole that you now get to partake in. Oh, really? Because it sounds like someone's got, like, a den for where they take the peeps. Mm? Mm. Artfully strewn with supposed clues that it's totally cash. Oh, yeah, there's a pair of dwarvish boxer shorts there, but pay no attention to that. Are they really? No. No. They're elvish. <laughs> no. No, no, you're fine. And basically, Kiko just sits down and uh, offers you a drink. Oh. Well, maybe we shouldn't drink because um, we might suddenly need to not die. But um, this is nice. This That's fine. Whole... That's fine. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm going to drink because if we're going to die, I don't want to die sober. <laughs> I, can, I can respect that. But she pours know. herself a glass and gives you a little waggle of. Can can mm-hmm. Azzy still cure poison with a touch? Uh, yes, that's one of her mercies. <laughs> cure poison, bing! Oh no, your booze doesn't appear to be working. Cure poison, boom! Oh, I know. <laughs> this never normally happens. I'm just saying, if you're drunk, you can just be like, cure poison, sober. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Azzy sits there and doesn't know what to do with any part of her whatsoever. Kiko's very comfortable and then she says so do you hang out here when you're (laughs) off shift and and things do you come here often (laughs) Uh, mostly yeah uh, as fun as sleeping in the hammocks are it does get old and Mm. I feel like I might get brigged if I was to actually throttle Carter oh I know I just, uh, one time I put my foot in his mouth to shut him up and it was one of the most I was so glad that he wasn't like, talking she she looks at you and just for a moment goes did it hurt him I mean I mean I didn't intend to yeah but, but it did though didn't it <laughs> probably I, I have quite big feet <sighs> she just kind of gives a big yeah <laughs> <laughs> you share a nice moment discussing how you hurt Carter <laughs> Just mildly. <laughs> it's a funny story, actually. We were um, we were in quarantine, and it was all of us. And there were we we were. I, so I was quite scared because we heard people in the trap door, 
and I was trying to see who was out there. And it turned out to be the kobolds, and that's how we became friends, and they became... Okay, so you, you, you were quarantined? Like, take a few steps back here. Oh, yes. Okay, here's what I know about you. Mm-hmm. Tall, <laughs> look good in armour. Oh, thank you. I think stuff to do with Aphrodite, but we haven't really dived into that that much. And not a fan of chewing tobacco, so why don't we start a little bit earlier and talk. Oh. Just talk. Okay. Um. Uh. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I am a paladin of Aphrodite. She's great. What? What's a paladin of Aphrodite doing? Going to Svalbard via the most dangerous route in the world. To to save to save the world. Oh, infosec. Oh, what is infosec? Oh. So so let's. <laughs> what? Oh, I mean, um, nothing. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to stick with this rather than let it end. (laughs) You wanted this. This is so good. I'm loving every second of this. Yeah, this is brilliant. So. Helen, you're the cutest. she, she, She moves a bit closer, but in a. In an interested way, not in a making a move way. Oh. So, so, so right. Paladin of Aphrodite. Yes. Saving the world. Sort of mercenary pirate type, I'm guessing, given that you're here. Um. I mean, what do you do in your downtime? <laughs> this, I suppose. As in, I... But what, like, what is this? What is this? What, like, I know why I'm going to Svalbard, okay? I'm going to Svalbard because I am getting to sail with the captain of my adopted father. Oh. And that's a big deal, you know? Uh, like, you don't get to do that often, and I'd, I'd go anywhere to, to have that chance, you know? Oh, who was your... I owe her a lot, and it, it's a good it's good to be here to repay her. That's very touching. Who's your adopted father? I, I was actually adopted into a Nomish family. Uh, oh. Unfortunately, my adopted mother died fairly young, so I ended up uh, being raised by Elbert. Elbert. I, I stayed with my nan uh, most of the time, and then Albert would, uh, you know, go and, and do do uh, tours with uh, Hart, and then he'd come back, and then we'd have some time because they'd make good money, and we'd, we'd spend the time off together for a while, and then and then he'd go away again, and then and then one day he didn't come back, but you know, mm. it goes with the job. But I mean, how about you though? Like, why 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 are you here? Like, I, I know why I'm here, but. You must um, know Earhart or something, right? Azu thinks for a couple of seconds and then seems to remember something. And she's like, um, so I want to be high priestess of Aphrodite one day. And okay. to do that, you have to try and do lots and lots of really good things. Like what kind of good things? You know, heal people and... So you can like heal people, things like that? Oh, yes. Like if you if you got too drunk, I could make you not drunk. And also if you got cut in half I could well maybe not not cut in half but um, actually I I tell you what I've had this awful crick in my shoulder for for ages like would you be able to like help with that at all um sure um do you want um uh so (laughs) (laughs) bend your eyebrows (laughs) the benefit of a video call is everyone can scare straight down the camera and talk exclusively with eyebrows (laughs) Azu shifts across to where because I'm assuming they've been sitting opposite 
Yes. So she moves to sit. She next did to... you the courtesy of because it, it's a cubby hole with obviously only like one way in, one way out. She made a point of being the first one in so that you could sit closer to the exit. That was very that was very considerate. Okay, so she's like, um, so you can turn around, and I'll I'll have a I'll have a look. Oh, oh, oh thanks. Yeah, it's just, it's just there. Okay. And now I'm going to allow you a, a brief respite from punishing you with all of the things that you wanted to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, I really want to go on a date, Alex. Okay, we're on a date. Helen, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know one thing, Helen. Yeah? Is Azu the kind of girl orc that kisses on the first date? Yes, but a very little one. Understood. <laughs> a little, A nice little gentle kiss. In which case then, I will skip to, it goes well, it's pleasant, Yay! there are no complications, and I'm not sure Yay! why I'm doing this, but nothing explodes. So it's not a successful date. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say though is that both Ahmed and Sel notice pointedly an Azu coming above decks with a Kiko still below decks a little longer. <laughs> Hamid definitely makes eye contact with Azu and just like... Hey, buddy! Flickers his eyebrows. Hello. Hi. Yes, How are you hello. doing, Azu? Yeah. Uh, oh, I had a kiss. <laughs> Hamid, Hamid literally claps in a, 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 a small, excited way. Cell <laughs> squeals. Oh. I'm not going to do the squeal. <laughs> In the squeal. Uh, how, just uh, one quick question: How, like, under your, uh, like, how quiet was that <laughs> for over for, for potential not, overhearing? Not that quiet. Okay, like, she yeah. wasn't whispering it; just says it. Fine for potential overhearing purposes. I'm not part of this conversation, but just wanted to know. <laughs> and on that, with a nice tonal jar, the uh, ship yep. lurches yep. slightly upwards in elevation in order to avoid another towering corpse. That is poking above the clouds. God, on the bright side, at least they're creating landmarks. It's interesting. It seems that I don't I, I don't really know much about animals. It looks like they were making a point of climbing to the top of actual mountains to die. I mean, that's an... Bayamoth's going to do what Bayamoth's going to do, right? I don't know. So, I'm going to ask the question that I don't want to ask which is, what do we think? Do we need to worry about the bigger fish, or...? Gotta worry about whatever presents a danger to us. I don't care what size it is. Like, these things are dead, so great. They're not gonna... Let me put it another way, Mr. Smith. You have a bit more experience in terms of bodies and things. Like, does this look like it's a... Do I have to worry about an enormous predator that could, like, make these things look like children sweeping down on us? I don't know. You're the one who's been to the northern waste. I haven't. Are things bigger than this? Do these things have predators? I don't know. Mm. But I, look, one, one thing, if it's big enough to take one of these out, we'll see it coming from a damn long way off, so we'll be able to prep for it. Yeah, that's fair. For what it's worth, above the first cloud cover, it isn't, like, huge towering. It is actually comparatively, like, clear. So, yeah, you have a good point. Unless it came up from underneath, I suppose, but mountains. Fair. I'll be honest, please don't tell the crew. I'm actually more concerned about the Borealis than I am about the um, bodies. Right. Is that what causes the... And I'll gesture at Friedrich. Pretty much. And um, so an airship is what happens when you take three 
More, more, or less. Big, angry elementals. <laughs> yeah, I know I put and them then, there. And then force them to basically have a never-ending argument and then use mm. that argument as propulsion, basically. Yeah. We all know that the way you keep that argument going and you keep things ticking along is with magic. So what I'm concerned is how this is going to interact with our systems, and I can't get higher than the Borealis. Um, we go round it? Doesn't really work like that, not, not on this kind of scale. We'd be talking a detour of basically not going via the northern wastes. Right. Listen, I am war- I'm warning you that... That sounds like the kind of thing you put to a vote. Because you're right, that's, that's really bad, and I rather not do that but if we're going to be flying through one of these things that could do what it did to Friedrich or worse the crew needs a say that's a group decision give me a diplomacy check please yes oh, god I'm so good at diplomacy I'm not but I rolled a 19 so it's fine 22 <laughs> okay fair enough if you assemble them explain the situation to them they'll listen to you more than they listen to me anyway right Wait, no, hang on a minute. Why don't you try explaining the situation? Gotta have some practice. She raises an eyebrow. Fine, Mr. Smith. Okay. I didn't realise you enjoyed fielding people's complaints so much. I'm fine to do that, but, well, you remember our conversation, okay? Can't have you just hiding away from this kind of stuff. You set them up and I'll knock them down. All right, and then I'll put them back again. And then I'll knock them down again. Yeah, and then I'll... Anyway, right. <laughs> All right, everyone, gather up. And I'll go around the ship and gather people up. This is not an oh no bell situation. You ring the everything's okay alarm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is me walking around shouting. <laughs> right, everyone, I'm assuming, gets assembled on deck. Kiko Imiti eventually comes up and gives a bit of a sly wink to Azu. They're like the least subtle and I love oh. it. Yes, I just yep. remembered as well. While I'm walking away, when I go past Azu, I'll give her a, I mean, as high as I can get, like a pat on the arm and say... Uh, Nice one. And then keep going. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I will not react to that. Just, yeah, that's a very fleeting, like, animal. Yeah. I mean, she says that, like, half-jokingly. Like, she's not trying to be like, oh, how dare. Oh, she's yeah, just yeah, being sure. like... <laughs> and you know what? That feels like a natural break point to me. Why don't we take a break there, and then we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back. So, okay, Mr. Smith thinks it's a good idea that we have a little chat at. So that's what we're doing. A little vote. How this works is pretty simple. I'm not worried about the enormous dead bodies that are littering the landscape all around us. Most things that would be a problem to do with that can't fly. I would be very surprised that something that big can fly. As long as we stay high, I'm not too worried, not too concerned. What does concern me is that she points in as a briefly, particularly bright flurry. It's very beautiful of uh, the Borealis sort of above the cloud line ahead. It is at this point becoming clear it pretty much is stretching the horizon. You know, the, the Borealis isn't small. <laughs> mm. So here's the situation. That, as some of you know, Friedrich looks positively concerned, 
is an indicator that we're going to be going through a high magic zone. Wild magic will be a problem, and we are in a magically powered vessel. We can't go over it, we can't go under it, we can either go through it, or we take a detour. And when I say a detour, I mean we add a month or more to our journey, at least. I am not provisioned for that detour, but we can probably provision along the way. But Mr. Smith, in his wisdom, thinks it's a good idea to open the floor for discussion of this fact. So, she kind of gestures, no NPCs move or say anything. All right, well, I'll go first then. Look, basically, I prefer to go through this thing because detouring puts us over airspace that could potentially be controlled by the enemy and I would rather take my chances with something which is undirected and wild than something that is extremely directed and we know is definitely, well, dangerous if not deadly. But that's me. Anyone else? How much do we know about the Aurora Borealis stuff? Like, is it is it a thing where it's like contact? I would, or is it just random? I would just point at Friedrich. Oh, oh me? Well? Uh, right, uh, so it is a... Um, it's... First, it's quite tingly, and and then and then and then it sort of depends. So for me, it was quite tingly, then it was quite burny, then it was quite stretchy, and then and and then it and then it was just tingly again. It's it, uh, it, I don't know. But were you, you know, were you outside or inside or? Oh well, we um we. I think it's worse if you're outside. Okay. So, so we, we took it in turns to steer the ship because you, you, you had to steer the ship from the top, not from the bottom. And then on, on my turn, the, the, the ship got easier to turn. Let's put it that way. So, I mean, my understanding of the theoretical principles behind it... Uh, I just rolled 28 on an Arcana check, Alex, but I'm going to vamp a bit if that's cool. That's fine. <laughs> and you are at the frontiers of knowledge, so I'm going to take anything that you say with like a 50% accuracy rating, which is better than most. You know, there's magic in the world all the time, but there are places in the world where the level of magic is a lot higher. And, you know, basically the higher the level of magic, the more likely, you know, these wild magic effects are likely to happen. And the Borealis is essentially, it's more an indication of the presence of the high levels of magic, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not the Borealis itself, which is causing the effect. It's just one of the effects. Like, and nothing is uh, guaranteed. It's not like if you go through an area where the Borealis is active, it's instantly going to have an effect on you. It just it means that suddenly your chances are much higher in that area, and it's it, it, you know. But it's it's also not a clear barrier. You know, it's the high magic. The places where the magic is much higher are, are indicated by the Borealis, but it's not like a barrier or something. So, it's, so it's, what it's, you're saying you know, is that yeah, there's always a chance that you could go wonky and end up like big arms. But when you're in the Borealis, you're more likely to go wonky and get big arms. Yes, essentially. Cell puts their hand up, and because they're very tall, that's very, very up. <laughs> I just, I just wonder if the the kind of material that was used to make the anti magic cell that you kept us in for quarantine uh, would that protect what? Like, I, I would assume that that would provide some protective effects. So it, it, I, I just, I don't have a huge amount of that material with us. I think that there's some in the in the supplies because I, I thought it would come in handy, but not 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 like an enormous amount. But well, but it's not just the material; it's an enchantment on uh, the material that that causes the anti-magical area. It's just such a shame that I didn't I didn't know there would be a borealis here because I would have I would have constructed a safe room that people could wait in. You know, you would know that the 
the difficulty of obtaining that much would be a major limiting factor. Even even with unlimited funds, it's not a case of just it'd be expensive. Like, you'd, you'd need to be sourcing it from a huge area. Like, I mean, it's just such a shame. We could have popped back to the inn and then, like, maybe installed basically the anti-magic thing as a yeah, safe but room. Let, well, been... not, not dealing with what-ifs, but one thing that we do have right here is mm. we got a cleric, we got a paladin, we got an arcanist, and we've got a transformation and alchemist, right? That's pretty good for a crew. So we are probably better prepared for this kind of effect than any other crew would be. I'm not saying it's not going to be a problem. I'm not saying we're safe. But what I am saying is that with us four, you're in reasonably sort of good, okay hands, I guess. With our powers combined. Kiko pipes up at this point. Is using magic going to make it worse or not a problem? Does that matter? I meant dealing with the after effects once we get through, assuming we survive. Ah, okay. Oh, no one else knows that Zolf can take a person apart and put them back together again. I mean, <laughs> Kiko puts a hand up. I mean, where she goes, I go, pointing to Earhart. Does Hamid know if, and it's going to be a really important thing, especially given his experiences in Rome, does Hamid know what a wild magic zone will do to his ability, or anyone's ability, in fact, to cast spells? At this stage, there's not much info to go on. Your educated guess is it's unlikely... The number of things that can affect your ability to cast spells is very limited. Very, very limited. Rome is basically a huge outlier. It's unlikely... Yeah. And, that... and, and Rome is is not a wild magic no. zone. Rome is like a corrupted Absolutely, magic zone. they're very different. Okay, cool. What is more likely to be a thing is that your spells will work fine. It might be that it potentially increases the possibility of things going wrong with the wild magic, but at the same point, it's like, if there's a 75% chance of going wrong, a 75.5% chance of going wrong, who cares, you know? Um, you you kind of get the impression that the scales involved aren't really interacting with one another. The magic that you do is pulling at a strand of the weave, which is makes up the magic of everything. What the Borealis is, is more like you have a tapestry and it's waving in the wind. Like it's a, it's a magical storm. Yeah, like it, they, yeah. they don't they don't really interact in that way. You know, however, that there could be a thing where you know how a butterfly flaps its wings, but I mean that's the truth for that's the truth for just magic in general. So yeah, I, I mean so. At least in my experience, you know, which is not direct experience of wild magic, but I have been to a place with where, where, the, where the sort of the, the magical background was corrupted, you know, and that did affect spell casting in a big way. But my understanding is that wild magic wouldn't really affect our ability to cast spells, and any reaction to us, any of us casting spells or, or making potions or, 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 or the, you know, calling upon other powers, as it were, you know, would would be very, very unlikely in the same way that, you know, any kind of activity is unlikely to have a reaction in this, in the wild magic field, but it, it's not impossible, but I, I think that we would still be able to more or less do all the same things we could normally do without right. without too much of a problem. So, probably fine. Great. That's, that's, yeah. that's one in the, in the good column. How do the kobolds feel about this? I don't know how much of this they're getting. Skrark listens, takes a moment, has a, a, a muttered conversation. I mean, self, your benefit, and Hamid, obviously, as mm. well. The conversation pretty much goes along the way of uh, Skrark points at the Borealis going, that's going to be really dangerous. And they all went, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Are we going in it? Yeah, it looks like we're probably going to be going in it. All right. <laughs> Can we kill it? Don't think so. Has anyone tried? 
You should ask. I'm not going to ask. You should ask. Ask if you can kill it. How would you kill it? I don't know how you'd kill it. Why don't you ask how you'd kill it? <laughs> Fine, I'll ask how you kill it. Scrock turns around. Can we kill it? Pro- probably not. I think it's more like a cloud, Scrock. Or, you know, or, you can't... or, or a storm. It, it's it's yeah. sort of a semi-natural phenomena. It's not the kind of thing you can kill, really. Can we just make a... A light, like a lightning rod for if it's a storm. Okay, with a roll of 34 on Knowledge Arcana, can we make a lightning <laughs> rod? Yes. Whoop, whoop. With a couple of caveats. Mm. One is what you reckon you can do is one of the principles of a lightning rod is relying on like yeah, grounding. grounding. Where which, on earth yeah, would you exactly. ground it when it's a it's ship? It's still the same principle. However, you reckon mm. you can probably employ some semblance of the Faraday mm. idea where it's like, you reckon you might be able to rig this thing to protect people who are below decks, mm-hmm. but you also know fundamentally, unless you can ground the ship, rebuild the ship and then take off again, one person's going to mm. need to be above decks because it just needs someone to see where you're going, steer the thing, mm. check rigging, things like that. Like, it isn't, it stops being yeah, an so, airship so, and starts being an air submarine otherwise. No, 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 I get that. So, so basically, it is possible to make a Faraday cage, but not one that encompasses, say, the rigging. No. Because the, the obvious thing would be if you can magic the strings somehow, you could make a Faraday cage around the whole place. Probably not. But, you reckon you might be able to protect a room. Yeah. However, it's also on the caveat that you cannot guarantee that nothing will happen, but you might be able yeah, to yeah, reduce yeah. it from, like, everyone's head explodes to so, everyone so gets a migraine. So basically, when, when I was saying, can you make a safe room, the answer, it turns out, is yes. So, we're, well, Cell says with a, ah, I, I've, just been, I've been thinking since I, th- since I was thinking, and I think... Yes, but not for the whole ship. Can you do it before we get there? Shall I roll again? Can I do it before? You can do it before you get there at current pace, but it is coming with a complication. The anti-magic thing would have just been, you're safe in this room. What you're sort of doing here is you're making this chunk of space that you're protecting sort Mm. of someone else's problem, by which I mean it's like, cool, I've reduced the probability of something going wrong in this space. It's going to want to balance itself out somewhere else. So you're you're not sort of cancelling the magic this time you're more sort of channeling it so drawing yeah. it away from some areas and sending yeah. it towards others yeah and and then i would i would i'm, I'm gonna make a dangly thing so that the magic basically shoots out the bottom hopefully not in too much of a propulsion type way because that would upset the uh that would well, you'd upset almost the want you'd almost elementals. want to channel it into spell casting ability so and, and yeah. sort of that's how you're going to release the magical effect don't wouldn't you say i mean i suppose i, I wonder if i could right. connect it up to so, the elementals sorry, just just quickly, before we start speaking about theoreticals, this sounds great. Yeah. Um, Earhart, do you mind? Go for it. Right. Sounds like we got a lot of information. Looks like we might be able to do something. We should probably slow the ship down to give you a lot more time to, you know, prep. But if we can reduce the effect of it and we reckon our uh, spellcasting ability ain't going to be massively affected, I think at this point, unless anyone has anything cogent to this particular decision before we start prepping for it, we should go to a vote. Agreed? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Right. Flying through that thing, saving ourselves time. I, and I'll raise my hand. I, the yeah. I sort of have it. However, mm. all of the kobolds just look to Hamid and wait for his call. <laughs> ha- Hamid will glance at Skrark for a second, and then sort of with a half shrug, vote. Skrark's just like, Meh. given given he heard the kobolds' conversation earlier, as well. He feels he feels okay. In which case, the eyes have it. Your your nays are Sigif Friedrich. <laughs> Earhart. Oh, wow. Mm. And Barnes abstains. 
Okay. Like so, the wait, the captain, like Captain 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 Earhart. What 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 would you prefer that we do? I might have just realized something. A detour might take us near a place I wouldn't mind eventually ending up. Right. Great. But we put it to a vote, so that sounds like we're going that place. So should we just mm-hmm. right? Let's just let's get on with it. Start prepping. Right. I, I'd recommend Earhart that you we sort of slow the ship down and then and then Hammond and Cell and the Cobalt <laughs> probably get to start building an a uh, <laughs> anti magic room and 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 we're we're all. Uh, good to go, right, Captain? Cool. <sighs> sure, Mr. Smith. Cell, please make sure it's in the bow of the ship. I don't want to have to move engines. That'd be a bad call. Right, and also at this point, one person you're saying somebody has to stay up here and drive the thing. I'm obviously volunteering for that. I've got the most experience and I'm probably the most resistant to magical effects. Unless anybody really objects, I feel like that conversation is done. Mr. Smith, uh, Wilde puts his hand up. I'd like a word regarding that fact, right. but we can do that later. Okay, it's fine. It's so frustrating that Cell does not know about his anti-magic legs, because that's... It's like, I've, the whole time I've been like, Wilde should be on deck, Wilde should be on deck, Wilde should be on deck, Wilde should sacrifice himself, Wilde should be on deck, yeah. <laughs> it's tragic. In which case, then Airhouse like, right, I mean, you've all got your jobs. Off you go, I guess. Uh... Wild heads over. Yeah, cool. I'll um, step aside with Wild. What? It makes little sense for someone who is likely to be comparatively immune to what's going on not to be the person up top. You can't drive the ship. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Here are the options as I see them. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to make a look. Option number one: I wear the anklets. I fly the ship. The likelihood of something happening to me is low. Can you teach me to fly a ship in the time we have? Option number two. You take the anklets, you fly the ship, and we hope that the wild magic interferes with the nonsense. Last option, which I think is a terrible idea, is that someone else flies the ship wearing the anklets. All right. Here are my thoughts on that. Number one, I could probably um, teach you to navigate in calm weather when you're not in the northern wastes fighting against a magical storm. So you're probably absolutely fine if you need to hold on to the wheel. If anything goes wrong, you'll probably kill us all. Number two, you take those anklets off, they could find us. We all die. Number three, I'd do it. I think I'm pretty safe. And uh, only I die if it all goes wrong. Then I guess I'm your second. You should probably teach me anyway. Ugh, fine. But we need you alive, all right? None of this... We're not playing silly buggers, all right? I'm not trying to die. I'm trying to live, Zolf. Good. I'm telling you how to live best. Anyway, right, I'll teach you. <laughs> yeah, Zolf, teach me, my, teach me how to live my best life. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, in that case, do as I then, say, not as I do. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Can I get a uh, knowledge engineering and a knowledge arcana? I'll allow assistance on the knowledge and arcana, but I need to know who's taking the lead. Cell uh, will be taking the lead on both of these. Yeah, my engineering is twelve and arcana is seventeen. Is that could... potentially Scrock can assist with engineering and Hamid can assist with arcana? Yeah, I'd like that. Can you roll mm-hmm. for Scrock, please, uh, Bryn? Yeah. Oh no! So I rolled a two, which means that we got nineteen. <laughs> Scrock rolled a three, which means he only gets ten to assist. So you get no assistance. Was that rolling for engineering or Arcana? That was Arcana. Okay. Oh, that was me. Oh, so, sorry. That was me yeah, rolling. You need to Scrock's engineering. Keep, we'll keep the Scrock engineering roll. Can you roll a separate yeah. one for Hammer to aid? Put on the Arcana. Natural one. Oh my word! We go die. And on the engineering, can I get an engineering roll, please? Oh, we're gonna die so hard. I got 15 on the engineering. That is literally, in both cases, almost as low as cell composite. Like, I'm very happy. Ro- well, I'm very happy. I rolled a two and a three. Oof. I, uh, I rolled a three and a one, so oh good, good teamwork there. We are 
actually, like, we would probably be better if just about anyone else rolled. Yeah, Scra- so Skrark failed to assist on the knowledge engineering, and Hamid actively hampered your efforts on knowledge arcana. Cell, yeah. you've done the best you can. Mm-hmm. You have neither the time nor the materials, and even if you had the time, you still wouldn't have the materials. You have a conundrum in front of you, which is that Hamid thinks that you've managed it. Skrark also thinks that as a group you've managed it. The only person who knows that it's a bit sketch is you. It might still work, but this isn't a dead cert anymore. This is a might be fine. Everyone's gonna die and it's gonna be their fault and they're gonna be traumatised forever. Is no. what they're thinking. Ah, but what are they saying? This is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The crew, the crew have been helping as much as they can and are all looking at you expectantly to know what's happening. Uh, oh, this, this is actually, this is, this is like bad for Cell. Cell is, uh, freezes and says, right, it's not a perfect solution, right? But we, we, we all, we all knew it was going to be, uh, it's going to work. You know? It's going to work. So, like, if we go in, it'll, it's, it'll it's, work. That's the important thing, right? No, no. What it what it is is it's better than if we'd done nothing, right? Just I, d- I don't want anyone to go in thinking that this is definitely going to be okay, but it's gonna it's gonna it takes a bit of the oh, edge of the is, risk. Oh, this is this is what right? people said last time. I've heard this before. It is going to work, isn't it? Isn't it, Sally? It's going to work. Like obviously, it's going to work because because you're you're really smart. You're really smart, Sal. So it'll definitely work, isn't it? Oh, uh, Kiko's like, eh, I'm. Look, does it really matter at this point? It's either going to work or we all die. Like oh, this no. doesn't help. What, what was the location Earhart wanted to visit? Let me just check the, these maps. Give me a sense motive. <laughs> Ten. And didn't I give you a profession of uh, navigator? Yeah. Can you give me a navigator check as well? Also ten. Because of the route that you're taking, you're looking at a lot, lot, lot more west without much more north. So effectively, you'll be dog-legging around sort of the uh, northern Asian part of it. So as a result, you're going to end up coming a lot closer to occupied lands. You basically think that Earhart's wanting to aim due dragon. I mean, if, if the dragon is still in Paris, there is no route that goes anywhere near Svalbard that takes us anywhere near Paris. Like, they're just... True. We'd have to go True. far too far south and far too far west. True. Okay. I mean, one would assume that a corrupted Gweave is not sticking in Paris no, it's true. around being a massive, horrendous weapon. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the only thing that would make sense yeah. is that Earhart wants to head towards enemy territory. Yeah. Okay. And that that is a lot closer to enemy territory. That's the answer that I can give you. There are other factors that you don't know. Yes, the best yeah, yeah. It might be she's heading back to the place where they were first attacked. Mm-hmm. So we don't know where that is. Only Earhart knows where that is. Yeah. If we're back to... Like, look, it's it's as good a job as we could do. I've done uh, I've done the best that that we can, but I I don't. And the the only alternative is travelling over areas which are we know are directly hostile. We we don't we still don't know if you know, as Zolf said, this this area is random and dangerous, but it's not technically actively hostile to us. You know, both choices are terrible, but. It still feels like the best one. There is a minor argument between Skrark and one of the kobolds, specifically Sasra. It's very rapid and hurried and hushed in a way that you really can't make out what they're happening, but it is an active argument till eventually you hear in Draconic Skrark saying, Fuck, go, you, you say it then, fine, fine. 
At which point, Scrark in uh, not Scrark, sorry, Sasra in very broken English, super broken English, basically says, "This, or you'd all try and do better. <laughs> Otherwise, shut up." Good this, you do better or shut up. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no idea what they mean, but that they're supporting you, Sal. They're saying that if no one else can offer a better alternative, then we go with what S- you've got. Sasra goes over and grabs Sel's hand. Yeah, Sel is very frozen by all this. Oh yeah. Sasra tries to lead Sel into the the safe room. Yeah. Heads in. Do you do you get led in? Yeah, 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 yeah. Turns around. Mm. Gives a rude gesture to everyone who's not inside. <laughs> closes the door. And then in more broken English goes, You want inside? Yeah. Or outside? Everyone kind of gives a look. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and they all start heading inside. Cell <laughs> yeah. gives Sasra the fang. Oh, Sa- Sasra, give me a sense motive. Because I'm going to assume it's gone... Ben- it has not gone beneath your notice. She's just always distracted. Uh... Sure. Sense motive. Oh, of course they've got incredibly high sense motive because of that feat. Oh, no, wait, they don't. They don't because sense motive is wisdom, not diplomacy. So they got six. Six? Yep. Azu, are you there? Yes. I'll give you a sense motive as well. Sure. (laughs) That is 30. (laughs) Yeah. Sasra looks at Cell with something approaching adoration and Cell has not clocked this Sasra looks at Cell to be specific with far more sort of respect and reverence and so on than they look at Hamid to be specific what as well, kind which of is adoration unusual. are we looking at here like, wait no Cell wouldn't know I'm assuming like teacher student you got the sense motive yeah that's cool okay Useful to know. Yes. Sasra wants to be Cell. Sasra does not want to be with Cell. Mm. And you know what? Azu can empathise with looking up to a mentor. Yeah. So <laughs> a mentor that then does not understand. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Azu's going to go over to Cell and put her hand on their back and say, "We trust you." Um. Oh, you know, you couldn't. You thought you couldn't have made it worse. <laughs> Yeah. Helen, oh my words! I know that is like, that's what Azu would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. Like, I, I honestly think it's the sort of thing that you would need a, a sense motive for because they will be trying to hide it so much. But like, Cell swallows something basically, and it's just like something comes over there, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, it's like, and it's going to be fine." I am going to therefore push ahead to stuff is as prepared as it's going to get. And I am not going to bother getting a roll from you as to how well you teach Wild. I am just going to do a roll to see how well Wild learns. And I am aware that he is your backup, not actually your lead. Yeah, cool. Okay, fine. With that in mind, does anyone have anything further they want to do as you draw nearer and nearer to the Borealis? So the situation is that we're all going to be in this little room. To be clear... It is a modification of the living quarters, which okay. are closer to the bow. There is enough space for people, although it feels more crowded than it has previously because the cobalt are actually in there for a change. Mm. Actually, there is one last thing 
before we all take our positions as it is. Um, I'm going to pop my head into the that, that room, which I assume everyone's in. Mm-hmm. Give Earhart a look, because she's not captaining. I'll be like, right, so um, I'll see you all on the other side. Good luck. It's going to be okay. We'll get through this. All right? Good luck, Zolf. Thank you. Zolf, this is Earhart. Yeah. It's only worth you being alone on deck as long as we're amongst the uh, Borealis. Don't pull anything stupid and try and stay up there and do the entire rest of the journey on your own. Well, I think you probably noticed, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's, oh, this has taken six months longer than the half hour we expected. I mean, it's within the margin of error, but... <laughs> so, Hamid would like to cast a spell on Zolf. If uh, he'll let him, he'll, he'll probably just take him aside and say, um, I've got a spell that m- might help. What is it? Heroism. Right. I mean, it sounds helpful. <laughs> well, if, if, if that's okay, and he, he casts it on you. I haven't worked out how Hamid cast this spell yet, but uh, the effect... He of pulls the- out maybe a six to ten foot helm's hammer deep uh, <laughs> horn and just blows it in his face. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> <Hero>. <laughs> The effect of the spell is that for 90 minutes, you get plus two to all attacks, all saves, and all skills. Nice. Goodness me. I feel like it should almost be like, it's, you know, it's almost like knighting someone. But, it, I mean, it's <laughs> the casting so time is not, is not, you know, excessive or anything. So it's just like, it's just a quick kind of say some words, hand on one shoulder, say some words, hand on the other shoulder, and then pushes his forehead and kind of gets and asks you to kind of touch forehead to forehead which is a bit awkward but we're Uh, we're, we're not too dissimilar in heights verbal components who's a chonky boy you're a chonky boy (laughs) (laughs) yes you are I'm a a big boy man (laughs) oh no Zolf is also big boy man in which case then I'm assuming Zolf takes the helm yes okay with the safe room ready. I mean, it could be safe. Sel has completely changed attitude and is like tinkering with some things, and it's just like it's. Look, you know what? I just, I just wanted to make sure that you were all aware that there's, you know, there's always some element of risk, but really, it's, you know, it's going to be fine. And they're super cheery. Even if it's not a safe room, it's definitely a safer room. Is it? Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> as you said, it's not actively harmful, right? probably and on that cheery cheery note <laughs> with Zolf stood astride a helm again yeah because he has to apparently sail every vessel alone into danger <laughs> the comparisons were not lost on me do you, do you want to give us your song as you sail on or should we leave without that is it too early for the song it is too early for the song and it is too late in the day <laughs> <laughs> in that case then we will we will fade out as you as you sail into the borealis and everything's probably going to be fine for 18 characters <laughs> oh no <laughs> we gave him too much you guys much are going to have so much fun in there people are going to start growing like octopus faces and you'll be like oh no what do we do it'll be brilliant and zolf will just be gone yeah no yeah maybe just a couple of smoking legs. <laughs> no, 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 worse. There's three smoking legs. Uh, uh, just, there's some smoking legs, but they're made of flesh. <laughs> Terrible. Awful. Oh, God. Beastly. Well, I think I've, I've, I've set the tone efficiently well, in which case then we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 
Rusty Quill Gaming is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike 4.0 international license. Today's episode was directed by Alexander J. Newell and produced by Hannah Preisinger. To subscribe, buy merchandise, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook, or email us via mail at RustyQuill.com. Join our community on the Discord or via Reddit at r slash RustyQuill. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, Alex here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Nicole Kay, Michaela Poppel, Rebecca Rutherford, Myra Morning, Free Snake Poems, Lind Burgett, Erica Eagles, Max, Lucy Jansen, Ray Morello, Amanda F. The war over pineapple on pizza is a distraction from the Elder Gods. Timon Tomato, Aruara N. Morgan, Nadim Cassander, Fiona Cartwright. Meg Pets, Local Dog Mom, Alana Haber, Emily Peterson, Sam Blackman, Blue Hatted, Sam Toby, Mandor Handhook Cardor, Lindsay Johnson, Marg McGuinness, Arthur Stern, Sam Vest, Jesse Pitts, Emily Apples, Maria Lund, Tim Conbart, Shell Stowell, From Glorious Jupiter, Indiana El Apayo, Cerulean Cheesecake, Eli Davis, Sophie Sloan, Laura, Aidan Parziani, Angela Spatz, Simon Panitpakti Jones, Ian Doherty, Amy Wayne, Braxen, Feather, Kira S, Stack. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash Rusty Quill and take a look at our rewards. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi everyone, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled Woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.